Alrighty, hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Tim Phillips. Hey, Tim. Uh, how's your allergies today? Mine are terrible. Thanks for asking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we talked about that before. How are your allergies, Adam? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm concerned now it's going to come through like little, like a appropriately because jaleel white is in our film this week i'm gonna come out sounding like urkel so <laughs> it's can i do that no maybe it's not that bad no that sounds like Ernest. <laughs> <laughs> why don't we review real movie here for anyway um oh man it's been a while since i've done an Ernest impression yeah all right <laughs> i was gonna say maybe we can one day review an Ernest movie but he's not making them anymore rip oh Actually, he's on my best best of list for today's show. Oh, interesting. Okay, no, we'll check. I'm, it. No. <laughs> I was, all right. I was trying to. I was trying to think. What serious thing has Jim Barney done? But we'll move on. End credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We are here every Wednesday at three p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies. Which this week will be the new basketball drama Hustle, which you can now stream on the Netflix. Hustle stars Adam Sandler, who. Uh, is mostly known for doing funny movies, um, especially movies where he reunites with um, long but never lost friends because he's always making movies with them. Um, <laughs> things like uh, The Do-Over and uh, Murder Mysteries and Who Be Halloween and uh, even all the way back to Mr. Deeds and Big Daddy and all those classic Sandler movies, but here he, in, in this week's film, Hustle, he gets uh, back to occasionally being serious, which is a mode he is actually very good at. So um, in honor of Adam Sandler's return to serious mode, uh, <laughs> uh, we thought it would be interesting to take a look at some performances by actors who are mostly well known for their comedic work. Um, doing very serious capital A acting um, in their performances. So we have each prepared three selections. I don't know if there'll be any crossover, but um, we'll have to wait and see. Mm -hmm. So Tim, why don't you kick us off with uh, your first nominee? Yeah, my first nominee had an excellent career as a stand-up comic. Um, I don't know if it really fits in uh, the preface uh, you said there about being mo known more for comedic roles, because mm -hmm. I think as his career went on, he was known for comedic and dramatic roles. Mm -hmm. So number one on my list is Robin Williams in Dead Poets Society mm -hmm. um, from 1989. And this came out a couple years after Good Morning Vietnam, where he showed more dramatic depth, I would mm -hmm. say, and more empathy that became real standard of his acting sort of empathy for, you know, others, others in the film and uh, real sensitivity about him. Mm -hmm. um, and he went even further in dead poet society, um, which is a great, great film. And it actually made me cry like a baby when I saw it in <laughs> 1989, but I was 11 back then. So I was close to a baby. So I thought as I saw it 
more and more as I got older that, you know, maybe that would wear off. But as I've seen it in my 20s, 30s, early 40s, it's still like makes me makes me tear up. And uh, I think Robin Williams performance is definitely central to the to the whole film. He plays a real inspirational English teacher in this uh, elite conservative boys school in uh, 1959 Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they're all, you know, going through school to get education, to get that, you know, great career, great job, uh, you know, make their parents proud. And they end up having this English teacher played by Robin Williams. Um, John Keating is the name of the character who, you know, goes outside the box and he's, he, he, he shake, shakes things up. He, you know, and and talking about it, it can come across almost like a cliche. He's like, throw away your textbooks. Throw, uh, he stands on the desk and he recites Walt Whitman poetry. But I think he's so committed to the role and the ensemble so strong as well. You have a young Ethan Hawke um, playing the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have a lot of great young actors. And Robin Williams really plays well off of them and he feels empathy for them. He, he can see the pressures they're going through, um, especially the young, uh, the young actor. Um, there's uh, you know, one of the characters wants to be an actor and, but his parents are like, no, you know, you're going to be, I don't know, a doctor, an engineer, something like that. Yeah. And he, uh, he, he, he has a role in Midsummer Night's Dream playing Puck and he, 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 he has, he has that love for acting. And, um, John Keating, his teacher said, you know, pursue it, see, you know, do what's right for you. But then there's these pressures from his parents, um, from his father, especially coming to the fore. And I just think that, uh, Robin Williams in that just shows great sensitivity but he also has that comedic persona as well. Like he's funny in those classroom scenes. He's funny in those scenes where he's saying, you know, go against authority, be rebellious. Um, so I, I, that's, that's number one on my list. I think he does a great job. And then he would um, from there go further, you know, with goodwill hunting an empathetic character, once again, a mentor. And then it, maybe became self parody with movies like patch Adams where, (laughs) you know, it's that, you know, that empathetic um, Robin Williams character, you know, that's a little too, a little too caring in a way, you know? Um, But I thought in dead poets society, it all worked together really well directed by Peter Weir, great Mm -hmm. director from Australia. He's done a lot of great films and he also directed Jim Carrey in the Truman show, Mm -hmm. which was, Jim Carrey's first venture away from, you know, talking with his butt and, <laughs> and, and acting like a, you know, this, this wild mass character. And um, so I thought, yeah, this, it just works really well as a film mm-hmm. and Robin Williams does a good job, like not chewing the scenery, the whole film too. Right. Like he has those, those pivotal scenes, the, Oh, captain, my captain on top of the desk, you know, reciting the Walt Whitman poetry. Um, but then he, he becomes part of the film and he's sort of like a servant to the film, really listening to the other actors. And 
it really showed his acting chops. I, I felt, and he went on from there to have a great career, win mm-hmm. Oscars, all kinds of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's number one on my list, Robin Williams in dead poet society. Uh, yes, uh, but I would argue you cannot get Patch Adams with a Dead Poet Society because it is essentially Dead Poet Society at medical school. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, yeah, Robin Williams is a good choice. And a lot of really good Robin Williams um, options here. And I have one for my first pick. Um, it's Robin Williams playing Walter Finch in Insomnia, which was okay, yeah. Christopher Nolan's third full-length movie. Um, takes place in Alaska in sort of like an endless day kind of period of time in, in, in the Alaskan countryside. Al Pacino plays an LAPD cop who's essentially on the brink of being arrested for uh, being like, I guess, corrupt, to put it mildly. Uh, but he's brought in to investigate the death of this young girl. And he settles on this character, Walter Finch. And uh, who is a local crime uh, novelist or he lives locally, but he's a crime novelist. And the the young woman that was killed was a fan of his. And it's not so much a whodunit because it's pretty obvious Walter Finch had done it. It's a it's this glorious cat and mouse game because you have Al Pacino who accidentally question mark kills his partner while pursuing Finch one day. Um, and it's, it comes the day after his partner confesses that he's about to testify against the Pacino character. So uh, you wonder, was this a quote unquote accident? And Finch starts calling the Pacino character, Williams, the, the Williams character, Finch starts calling the Pacino character, uh, essentially taunting him, but also to recruit Pacino to try and help him evade getting arrested by framing the girl's boyfriend. And Oh, it's just like, is, is Pacino just corrupt enough to do it? Or is, um, and, and how much of this is like Finch screwing around with him? Did Finch really see him kill his partner as he was running? Or did he, is he like just making a grand assumption just to screw around with this guy, like to live out being a character in one of his crime novels? Because he's not like a super villain. He's not like a, like a gross Thomas Harris style serial killer. He just, he's just a guy who, made an advance on a young woman and killed her when she rejected him. And so, I mean, there's nothing really particularly special about him. Super villain wise. Like there's no, um, can't be dialoguing or anything that like that is just Robin Williams kind of being so normal. It's creepy. It's, uh, (laughs) it's, it's really something. And the fact that he's like managing to act, I mean, this is when Pacino was still trying to. So, um, it's, it's a seed like, Williams being able to act on a level where there you can see that this genuine push pull between him and Pacino is is really something else, and it, it, it's it's what makes the movie like the cent- literal the literal centerpiece of this movie is when they get on a ferry together to have a face to face talk, and um, boy does it sizzle! Boy is that a great scene, and uh, it's telling too that you get a lot of this great acting in a Nolan movie that he did not write and is based on a, uh, a Norwegian film with um, basically the same plot. So, you know, you get some, maybe some of the best acting in a Nolan movie from uh, a movie where Nolan is just sort of directing things and not doing this comprehensive universe building. He's sort of become known for that. You know, it, it really is a, um, 
I think it's a, a triumph for the three of them that you get Pacino doing some good stuff. You get Williams maybe doing a top three performance. Then you get Christopher Nolan um, just sort of being able to get into this like psychological Rubik's cube that has nothing to do with um, mind heists or time travel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. We both get a very different Rob, Robin Williams pick. Um, but I mean, I guess that kind of shows his range too. Even as a, even as a dramatic actor, he had a tremendous range. For sure. Yeah. And I remember insomnia. Yeah. Just this sort of creepy. That was a great, good description. He's so normal. He's creepy. It's mm-hmm. just, you're drawn, drawn into his performance and yeah. Robin Williams think like one hour photo where it's yeah, that's another complete, good one. completely creepy and he definitely uh, stretched himself. He wasn't content just doing those comedic roles, which he was awesome at as well. Mm-hmm. But I remember Flubber. I remember Flubber. <laughs> Flubber. Yeah. Um, this is Doubtfire, which, you know, <laughs> it was like Tootsie too, but he did an excellent job in that. That was great. I mean, Mrs. Doubtfire, there was still some nuance. The nuance was gone in Flubber, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get to your number two pick. My number two pick, and sort of like I'm playing the greatest hits here because I mentioned this last time I was on um, (laughs) and credits is Melissa McCarthy in can you ever forgive me Mm -hmm. Um, pretty recent movie 2018 she co-stars with Richard E. Grant and they're both excellent in it but Melissa McCarthy really carries the film Um, it's based on a memoir by Lee Israel who was a writer um, renowned writer who was going through writer's block mm-hmm. and she needed to pay the bill. She started, she sold a letter that I think Catherine Hepburn had written to her. And then she saw that there was a market for these letters. Um, so she, she went to the, she, she tried um, selling some other ones, but they just weren't written. They weren't as exciting enough. So she punched them up and she started doing forgeries of letters from famous people. Mm-hmm. And Melissa McCarthy, really strong in this role. We all know Melissa McCarthy from like, you know, some funny comedies and not so funny comedies, but really being, (laughs) you know, energetic out there. It's great. She's awesome on Saturday Night Live. Um, But when she's guest starred on that, but like in this, she's so understated and real deep sort of like interior character you can see that she's antisocial mm-hmm. alcoholic sort of depressed but she still has a charm about her um even with all that mm-hmm. and you can really feel for the character and feel what she's going through and uh, i really like the movie can you ever forgive me it was directed by uh, heller who i mentioned before like last show when we talked about top new directors people who've directed three films or less um yeah it's uh it's great film it's one of those films i really like in her performance where you sort of like you empathize and you identify with someone who's really you know she's committing crimes and she's really her ethics are very questionable but you still empathize with her because you can Mm -hmm. see how she sort of ended up in that situation um as much as she's sort of a self-loathing character in a lot of ways you can empathize with that because we all have our doubts and 
foibles. And, and I really like that Melissa McCarthy explored this role, you know, warts and all, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and went for it. And I, it's a real, it's a movie that I think didn't get a lot of notice when it came out, came out in kind of a strange year. It was the year like Bohemian Rhapsody was getting a lot of praise. Right. And I like, I like that, even though it sort of got mixed reviews and, I think Roma came out that year. It was, it's a good, really strong film, but there mm. were some, some films like this that I think sort of um, went under the radar. Mm. And I just randomly watched one night on VOD and I was like, wow, this is really good. And uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Melissa McCarthy, I think at her best in Can You Ever Forgive Me? And it really, it, you know, it, 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 it really opens your eyes because most everything else I've seen with her, she's been comedic. So yeah, I thought this was a really good performance for her. In- including her Oscar nomination was for, for a comedic role. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although I don't know if she got a, 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 did she get a nomination for, for, yeah, she did. She was nominated for Kenny. So, I mean, that's a weird, that's a weird spread for her where she gets nominated for bridesmaids and can you ever forgive me? Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> My second pick has a Saturday Night Live pedigree of his own. Um, and he hasn't done a lot of serious stuff, which, I mean, he hasn't done a lot of stuff lately, too. He's kind of receded into, um, I guess, producing and, and, you know, a lot of funnier die com- content and stuff, stuff like that. But uh, Will Ferrell, as Harold Crick in Stranger Than Fiction, yeah. where he plays this IRS auditor who lives this, like, sort of so normal it's it's you know so predictable uh kind of life he's uh goes to work he goes home and and that's pretty much it he doesn't really step outside his um his normal routine and then he starts hearing a voice of somebody narrating his life and is this uh kindly seeming english lady voice and so he investigates because this is really very weird for him that somebody is narrating his life um and it turns out that uh this famous author played by emma thompson is writing a book where harold crick is the main character and you know slowly but surely i mean here's the thing is he in the in the opening narration he hears about how this event how he um gets the time from a a passerby so he can adjust his watch how this simple act is going to lead to his untimely death. So with that in his mind, he goes about trying to find the voice. He goes to see a psychiatrist uh, who then leads him to a literary professor who then eventually leads him to the author herself. And, you know, throughout this, this journey, it's a, it's, you know, it's a journey of self-discovery. He starts to grow outside of his, um his his little world he he ends up falling in love with the this baker he's auditing played by maggie gyllenhaal because of course he would and uh he ends up moving in with his friend dave from work and so he's having these profound relationships but he's still on track to die and then um his his friend the literary literary professor is played by dustin hoffman is really great in this this little role um he he reads the outline of the Emma Thompson book. And he says, it's her masterpiece. So Harold, you have to die. 
<laughs> which sounds dark, which sounds absolutely dark, but he phrases it in this like beautiful poetic way. And so here you have this character who has like been going about his day, for, like you assume for years with like nothing remotely interesting happening, basically saying like, you have to die in the name of good literature. <laughs> um, but it's beautiful too. And, 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 you know, it, the movie is, I don't know how to feel about the ending because uh, uh, spoiler alert, Harold Crick does survive, but um, there is sort of a beautiful poetry in the end, how he, he does step in the step into the path of death, knowing full well that it, um, he must die for, for this story to have meaning. Um, but it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's such a weird little movie and Will Ferrell is so good. Um, again, it, it's, he's, he's, in the same way that um, Robin Williams is playing so normal, it's creepy and insomnia. Will Ferrell's playing so normal, it's it's kind of um, <laughs> it's kind of uh, it, you know it, 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 you get you get really invested in him because he's just like an average day. And I think what Will Will Ferrell's talents as a comedian is that he does play an everyman. It, it, mm-hmm. it, in a lot of ways, like even though he's, you know, maybe streaking and like old school or, you know, yeah. acting like a child in, in, <laughs> in stepbrothers and, th- you know, things like that. There is something like kind of understandably down to earth, like the there's there's a real genuine kind of id um, that he's expressing, like an internal frustration that maybe we don't take to the level of like screaming at people on the street, but you, you do have that thing inside you. So um, it, it's very interesting to see him take that everyman sensibility and take it in a in a more dramatic direction. I wish he had done more serious stuff like this, and maybe he he still can in the future. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what he's up to currently, but it, you know he he does have a lot of uh, talent, different talents in him. So. Um, if he's, if he's like looking back, you know, trying to think of what can I do next? I mean, he should look to stranger than fiction and maybe find, uh, another project that he can, you know, sink his dramatic chops in. For sure. Yeah. And I, I think I read about Will Ferrell that he wanted to like ease off. He was, maybe he was getting burnt out, but like with Adam mm-hmm. McKay, mm-hmm. they're like making two movies a year and, and stuff, or like mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of movies. And he, he just wanted to e- ease off for a bit. I, mm-hmm. But I remember Stranger Than Fiction. It almost made my list, but I had seen it so long ago. <laughs> I saw it when it first came out, and I I was really taken with it, just like you. And I'd like to revisit it and see it again because, yeah, it's such an such an original concept, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, yeah, just living this average life, and then he starts hearing this voice, <laughs> and it turns out he's a character in this book, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, that brings us to number three picks. Okay, my third pick. So is Adam Sandler, mm-hmm. and I could have put him on my list twice because I recently watched Punch Drunk Love, and mm-hmm. his performance blew me away in that. Um, just his anger, his helplessness. Uh, he he's a great dramatic actor, you know, when mm-hmm. he wants to be, mm-hmm. and I thought he was excellent in that. And but I'm going to revisit one we've talked about a lot on um, end credits, but movie that blew me away, uh, Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. So Adam Sandler playing Howard Ratner in 2019's uh, Uncut Gems. I thought it was just an explosive, anxi- 
anxiety ridden performance. <laughs> um, and it gives you anxiety and he's got anxiety and he's a jeweler and gambling addict. Um, mm-hmm. who just keeps making the wrong decisions, you know, even, even as he puts himself, his family, his loved ones in danger, he just can't help himself. He's mm-hmm. so addicted to the, I guess the highs and lows of gambling and, mm-hmm. and just, he just seems to be addicted to danger. And, um, Adam Sandler, I think really fully committed to the role. Uh, he, he, he gives it everything he's uh, annoying. And I think that was some of the criticism maybe for people who are like Adam Sandler fans that he is maybe too annoying in the movie or wasn't funny or something, but mm. that's who the <laughs> character is, right? He's just this guy that even though you should hate him, you, you start to, you start to identify with him. You can see what he's going through. Yeah. And, and, um, and he, and Adam Sandler, as much as he can be kind of flip, you know, he, he knew how good this role was because he threatened if he didn't win an Oscar, he'd come back and make a bad movie on purpose <laughs> just to make everybody pay. And, uh, I haven't, he's probably made a few since then that are bad, but, um, at least oh. like the one we're reviewing today, he's still trying to do some dramatic roles. Um, but yeah, this he wasn't even nominated for an Oscar, which I just thought was outrageous. And yeah, it was criminal. You wonder how political it is. Like I thought him and Eddie Murphy should have been nominated. And I don't know, they're comedians who make, you know, silly comedies. Is that why they're yeah. not even given a look by some of these award ceremonies? But sometimes. I mean, yeah. I, I think I remember there was like there was like they were talking to Oscar members like academy members and it's like oh adam sandler like he's not oscar material and you could practically hear them putting the gray poop on their sandwiches they were saying that but it's yeah it's yeah. um yeah he's he's like a miserable scumbag in that movie but you have to root for him too yeah. it's just it's so weird the climax of that movie is is people watching a basketball game and it, you have to white knuckle through it it is um you know that is a, a true gift of like filmmaking and acting um craft blended together um for my third pick i you know like robin williams this is kind of an actor who's kind of walked the line between comedy and drama although like a lot of the movies he's been in can be dramatic but they are also comedic so something like say broadcast news um but i did choose albert brooks as bernie rose in drive uh he's the villain in drive which is about uh an unnamed driver played by ryan gosling who um essentially his superpower is he's a really good driver um so he's a stuntman for hire but he's also a getaway driver for hire and so um he's involved in this heist that goes miserably wrong and it all connects back to bernie rose who is one of these kind of like ruthless businessman type criminals who you know most of the time sees himself as a businessman but at the same time he can also um stab an underling in the eye with a fork before cutting his throat with a knife um does it in a very business-like way though (laughs) oh it's it's super efficient the way he does it there's there's a scene in the film where he 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 kills someone who's been of like a friend to him for a long long time and he does it he 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 puts out his hand to shake his hand and when the the guy shakes his hand he flips over his wrist 
cuts him open with a straight razor from elbow to palm and says, okay, it's over. It's done. Like you're going to bleed out. You're not going to feel any pain. So it, you really get this sense. Like he is, he has this ruthless business and like efficiency, even when he's killing people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, um, you know, it's just, he's so dark and he's so miserable. Um, but at the same time, he's so relatable because we all know this, this type of person in our life. We probably work for this type of person at least once in our lives. And, um, you know, in, in so much, it's like when you're working for a miserable boss and you can see them like taking someone in the back and cutting them. Um, this, this guy actually does it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's kind of like a sad comment and just like how miserable a life of crime is. Um, you know, how, how little, little things go wrong and they kind of upset the, the entire house of cards that you've built. And um, no one comes out of drive. Well, maybe a couple of people come out of drive, no worse for wear, but um, definitely not Bernie Rose, definitely not the driver. And their final confrontation is just, you know, speaking of white knuckling it, that's, you know, they, Ryan Gosling goes to see him in a restaurant and they, they're both sitting down and it's, it's intercut between the scene of them going to the car to get the money and the betrayal. But it, it's, you go back to this restaurant, they're just kind of staring at each other across the table. Like, you know, they, they both understand that like, this is maybe the last moment of their lives. This is like the last quiet moment before like an utterly complete and violent death. And it's just, it's, it's so, it, it really puts you on edge watching. It's like, what is it, is it really about to go down this way? So um, Albert Brooks, um, incredibly effective as a bad guy. Even when he's not doing it for comedy, like in the Simpsons movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. That he's he's so scary in that because it's like, you know, he'll he'll come after you if mm-hmm. he's his closest friends, anyone, right? Just this business like efficiency. Mm-hmm. And fun fact: his real name is Albert Einstein. Yeah. Yeah, he or was. He, <laughs> he, he probably would have made it very far as Albert Einstein. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about the latest dramatic works of one Adam Sandler. You are listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. love this game I mean love it with your whole heart because if you don't let's not even bother let's not open that door they're just gonna slam it right in our face I love this game I live this game and there's a thousand other guys waiting in the wings who are obsessed with this game 
Obsession is going to be talent every time. You got all the talent in the world, but are you obsessed? Is it all you ever think about? Let's face it, it's you against you out there. When you walk on that court, you have to think I am the best guy out there. I don't care if LeBron's playing. So let me ask you again. Do you love this game? Yes. Is there a newborn kitten purring in here right now? I couldn't hear you. Do you want to be in the NBA? Yes! And that was a scene from Hustle. It's the new film from Jeremiah Zager, and it stars Adam Sandler, Queen Latifah, Ben Foster, Jordan Hall, Juancho, Herna Gomez, Anthony Edwards, and Robert Duvall. And I, I, I'm, I, this is a very pleasant surprise. This, um, I, I am not a big sports guy. I do, however, enjoy sports movies, um, <laughs> which is weird. Uh, I, I cannot sit down and watch a full uh, baseball game, but I will watch any number of a dozen baseball movies. Um, but this is a good movie. I mean, it's it reminded me a lot of Moneyball, where it's about the state of the game. It's about the mechanics of the game, but you don't get a, necessarily a lot of game play. Um, you know, it, it's about what it takes to make a great player and what it takes to make a great team and how, um, you know, guys like uh, the Brad Pitt character, whose name I can't remember in Moneyball, or Adam Sandler, who plays mm-hmm. uh, Stan Sugarman in this, and, you know, how uh, a lot of the great athleticism you see is because of uh, some guy, some schlubby guy in a polo shirt standing <laughs> off field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brad Pitt, uh, Billy Bean and Billy in Bean, Moneyball. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah, and right. there are quite a few movies like this. I was thinking, you know, there's like Draft Day, mm-hmm. um, Jerry Maguire, even, you know, mm-hmm. you're not seeing a lot of football in that. It's more the agent. And in this is the same thing. Yeah, that the schlubby guy who's traveling around the world to find the, the talent for the team. Uh, yeah, I thought and I thought Adam Sandler did a, did a very good job in this again. He's very good. It's understated. I was waiting for that classic Sandler anger. <laughs> yeah. Showed he had like this hand injury and you're wondering how did he get this? And his, uh, the young player he's working with to try to get in the NBA seems to have anger issues. So it seems to be mm-hmm. more, he has the anger issues. Mm-hmm. Adam Sandler's character, um, has made some bad decisions. Um, but mm-hmm. he's, he's just grinding it out. He's just mm-hmm. this. And I thought it was really interesting it's like an un- underdog story set in philadelphia mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so it's kind of on that <laughs> kind of like rocky <laughs> yeah but instead of one underdog you have two really you have the adam sandler is the longtime nba scout who's kind of been in the same position for years traveling around the world which sounds good but he's in the same hotel rooms they make a point of it early on eating burger king everywhere pizza hut you yeah know. <laughs> All these, fat. All, all they talk about that a lot is, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's like they're trying to make an excuse for Adam Sandler or something, gaining some weight, but uh, it's like, Oh, you're, you're, you've really put on some weight there. And it's like, okay. I think they're trying to point out the misery of like traveling around the world, like just to, to see if like some random player in the, 
the Spanish university system is NBA material. And yeah, but I mean, that's the, the drudgery of that. You really get a good sense of that. Um, it's a really great example of show, not tell where, you know, you see him in one hotel room, which is exactly like another hotel room, except they it's a painted color, which, you know, just the other sameness. And of course, like the fast food choice. I mean, you eat horribly when you're traveling for business. And I think, we, you know, both of us have traveled for business and and <laughs> know what that's like when you're trying to cram a meal between meetings or or um, between events. It's it's just it's it's not good for your health. And uh, I think that's that's sort of the general statement there that this, the, you you see this character lives in misery, and so you understand why he does definitely does not want to go back on the road in the course of the film. <laughs> yeah, and his his dream. It is to be an, a coach, right? Mm-hmm. And he has that opportunity early on to be an assistant coach, but then it's all taken away from him in like a blink of an eye and he has to go back to being a scout. Mm-hmm. And it really works well, really parallel between his character and then Juancho Hernan Gomez, mm-hmm. who I looked up, he's an actual, he's a real NBA player for the Utah Jazz. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of bounced around. Um, in the NBA, but as an actor, I thought he was really strong Yeah, in this. And so they both have, you know, their dreams. His dream, obviously, probably at a young age was to play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, because his girlfriend got pregnant when he was 15, then he has an assault charge on his record. Mm-hmm. And then, you know... Um, Adam Sandler's character and his name again is Stan Sugarman, Stan Sugarman. Yeah. Stan Sugarman. Um, has made bad decisions too. And he was mm. driving drunk and he had to pay the price for that. So they're both, yeah. it's sort of this redemption story. Um, if you just plotted it out, it'd be like, Oh, we've seen this a lot before. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's, it, it's so well done. They're so, so committed to it. And all the characters feel real that I think it works, even Mm -hmm. though on paper, it's kind of, you know, we've kind of seen this sort of thing before. And I'm really happy that you, you like the the film Adam as someone who's not a big sports (laughs) fan because watching it, I watched quite a bit of sports. So I was like, okay, I I know that NBA player. I know that one. And I was like, somebody who's not into this, will they be, you know, somebody who's not into sports appreciate this as much. So yeah. I'm glad you did that. It still worked as a, as a movie and uh, you know, for, for somebody who's not as deeply invested in sports as, as some of us are. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's um, it's interesting. Cause you do get uh Wancho who um, is, as you said, is a genuine NBA player, Anthony Edwards too, who plays um, the improbably, improbably named Kermit Wiltz um, who's an uh, Bo's rival. At, at this sort of like this for this NBA draft. Um, he's also an, a real life NBA player. I think he plays for Minnesota. I looked that up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, this is a really great exhibition uh, pun intended for um, NBA players who <laughs> may be looking for future careers in acting yeah. uh, because you get a lot of, you know, you get a lot of cameo appearances and uh, 
it, it's 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 interesting that uh, I mean LeBron James has also shown him who's a producer on this too has also shown some acting chops and train wreck maybe not so much in Space Jam a new legacy but uh that was a two-hour commercial for HBO Max so we'll forgive it um it's yeah I I find I find this film particularly interesting um, I mean, the fat jokes aside, yuck, 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 yuck. Um, Adam Sandler isn't as uh, youthful as he once was, but um, I, I think that works in his favor. I, I like this older Adam Sandler, this like bushy beard, a little bit pudgy Adam Sandler. He 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 looks a little more seasoned, but he, there is still this kind of like boyishness um, you sort of see in his eyes, too. And he has this line very early on where he's like, you know. 50 year old guys don't have dreams anymore it's you know so he's mm-hmm. kind of like he feels a bit down but um he still has this kind of youthful exuberance where he finds a good player and he knows it's a good player um and everyone's telling him like no we're, we're not going to back you on this you know even though he's you know recognized in the film as like one, maybe one of the best scouts in the nba um he he finds this sort of youthful uh, energy again and he, he pours it all into this this one player who he yeah as as you said the, the he sees the the missed opportunities he may not be able to dream as a 50 year old guy but he can invest some some of energy he has left into helping somebody else achieve their dream and that's a that's a really pivotal moment in the movie where he tells the owner of the the new owner of the 76ers played by ben foster who uh, another great villain role uh, for him <laughs> um, that, uh, you know, he can take the the scouting job and shove it and he's going to put all his, I mean, cause that's, that's a really bold move when you're a middle-aged man and you spent your entire career building a reputation in this one field and, and, you know, to tell, to tell, you know, the boss to shove it and then you're going to put all your ships on this new thing. Uh, a, a tired old cynic doesn't do that. So, mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of really great undercurrents in this, and it comes out of Happy Madison too. Like, so this is like in the house of Sandler, which mm-hmm. I found very very interesting because it's not just a matter of like somebody like Paul Thomas Anderson or the Safties sort of like seeking him out. So he's like mm-hmm. he he's now actively looking for material, which I find interesting that he's looking he's he's not interested, or maybe he still isn't doing. I, I imagine we'll get a who be Halloween too at some point, but um, you know, he's, he's invested actual creative energy in bringing this to the screen. And more than that, uh, there's no happy Madison, like regular players in this. He went out and got this um, director, Jeremiah Zagger, who has one feature under his belt. So he's not one of like the repertory directors in the happy Madison family. Um, like there's no, there's no David Spade cameo or Chris Rock cameo or <laughs> Kevin James cameo. Yeah. This is very, very tight. This is, I was shocked when the happy Madison logo came out. I was like, Oh my God, what, what has, what is Adam, it's Adam Sandler finally take one too many donks on the head on set that he's now, <laughs> he's now producing his own sort of like sharp, dramatic material. So, I mean, this, this was, both on screen and and behind the scenes um i I think he's taken a lot like adam sandler's taken a lot of crap for you know the cynical move of making these 
like conveyor belt next Netflix comedies that it keeps cranking out, like the do over and the ridiculous six and who be Halloween and, and all of these, there's a hunger in this person to not be just, or, or I was gonna say, there's a hunger in this person to not do that or rather not do just that. This is, mm-hmm. this is a pretty serious creative statement. Even if it is kind of formulaic, I always say, if you can do the formula, well, um, it doesn't matter if it's formulaic, but um there is something of a serious creative statement here. Yeah. Just has to have a basketball tie in. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm thinking like <laughs> Kevin Garnett, the basketball player in uh, uncut gems. That's right. Yeah. Right. It seems like he's a uh, passion of Adam Sandler is basketball. And apparently yeah. he's a, it just keeps coming out more and more because he does these basketball movies that he's a good basketball player and he plays a lot in his spare time. So, mm-hmm. um, Hopefully he can extend beyond basketball maybe and <laughs> cover some other topics. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but even if it's this, I don't know. Maybe there's, there's, you know, a lot of facets to basketball and relationships and that he could, uh, that he could uh, uncover. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Queen Latifah plays his wife, Teresa Sugarman. And yeah. so that was, that was an interesting casting choice as well. And uh I thought their relationship was really, really strong and interesting how she wants him to pursue his dream to be a um, basketball coach. She doesn't like that. He's traveling all the time and he Mm -hmm. wants him, wants him back home. And, uh, and the daughter who's um, who wants to be a filmmaker. So that, Mm -hmm. that actually helps with some of the interesting, interesting uh, camera work during, uh, the never ending mm-hmm. montage, especially there. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I, I do like the scene where the, she's filming this, this training footage of, of Bo and yeah. he's watching it back later with Bo. And he's like, well, she didn't have to put her name on the end, but <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like that Michael Scott thing from the office. Yeah. yeah written, right. directed, executive produced by uh, that was, that yeah. was a bit funny. Um, yeah. Yeah, the Queen Latifah thing, again, it's interesting because I, I'm trying not to, I'm trying to phrase this delicately. He he usually goes, now this isn't to say that Queen Latifah isn't, isn't an attractive woman, but he usually goes for like the bombshells. Like if you're thinking about Click, where he's married to Kate Beckinsale, or um, Don't Mess with the Zohan, where his love interest is Emmanuel Cricky, or in the grown-up movies when his wife is Selma Hayek. Um, <laughs> it's like, find me the most glamorous woman to play my love interest this time. And not, not someone who's done it before. Like, no, we're not bringing Winona Ryder back from Mr. D's. Um, yeah. Who's the, who's the new hottie? That seems to be the, cause you know, Jessica Biel and Chuck and Larry. Uh, it, 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 it's very interesting that it's, it's Queen Latifah. They have this sort of domesticity um, mm-hmm. where they both get each other. Um, you can tell that they've been a couple for a long time and sort of understand each other's rhythms. There's a lovingness. Um, there's not this typical thing where the woman is the straight man and the husband is the zany guy. It's it, which is, is something that's definitely there in grownups and other Sandler movies. Um, it's interesting though, the one kind of Sandler touch, um, and, and I'm I'm borrowing this from somebody I saw talking about the movie online, but she tells the story of how they met and how they 
the her team's bus broke down, and so they got on the bus with his with the, the college basketball team Sandler's on, and they sat next to each other on the bus, and he didn't say anything the whole ride. He just sat there awkwardly until she got off the bus, and he yelled to her something like, uh, when we get married, we're going to have one, beautiful athletic babies or something like that. Um, that. I could see something like that happening in like a Happy Madison movie from the 90s. I could see like yeah. like Billy Madison era um Billy Madison era Adam Sandler character doing something like that. Yeah. So I I I wonder how much of that is like just an intentional callback to just um that that like openly silly um era of, you know, dopey man-child seduction in some of those <laughs> movies. Yeah. Could be it would be it'd be nice and Actually, watching Punch Drunk Love recently, it's like mm-hmm. he does have it's melding comedy and sort of the darkness, which was mm-hmm. I thought interesting. In mm-hmm. this, there's some comedic moments in this, but it's a pretty straight dramatic piece, mm-hmm. really. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think he should um, be too understated, right? I'd like him to be, you know, bring that energy. Um, so it'd be great to see future projects where he's bringing the energy and he can be really funny. Even in some of those movies, I, I like some of them, you know, but, um, yeah. like it brings some, you could bring some of that, but also just meld it in, just like root it in sort of like a realistic depiction of a character and, you know, like he has in, in this and, you know, uncut gems and just like really be committed to to a role and i i think it looks like he he is more so now and maybe that's Mm -hmm. because he is getting older and he's like you know he's looking for new material that's 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 you know a little more dramatic now than he was in the past so Mm -hmm. i'm all for that as long as it you know it goes beyond basketball too that'd be good (laughs) (laughs) i i yeah it's interesting i do wonder if this is if we look back on this and see it as some kind of transition piece, because it, it doesn't reinvent the wheel dramatically. Um, like the, 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 one of the things I will quibble about the movie is like the last 20 minutes feel extremely improbable where he, he blows it in the combine bow. And then, you know, they're, they're about, he's about to go back to Spain and it's like, Oh no, wait, there's one last chance to, yeah. for him to prove like that's seems... run up the escalator, you know, up yeah. the down escalator to get him. And, and then there's yeah. the race to the gym and it, it yeah. just, you know, that I, I was like, okay, I, I, I love him. I dig in the formula. The formula is fine, but this is like, you're asking me to buy too much now, but um, yeah, I would actually, yeah, no, go ahead as sort of a sports fan, what I was thinking might happen is like some team improbably just drafts him. Like they don't expect anybody, but somebody takes a chance on him because they saw right. the talent and it's like six months later and Adam Sandler's on the couch eating Cheetos wallowing <laughs> in his misery. Yeah. And, and then he comes back. He's like, Oh, the kid's got a second chance here. Mm. But yeah, for it all to happen at once. Yeah. That was, it's a little bit much, but you know, that might have been that. Yeah, that might have been a, the way a different director might have ended this. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but I mean, it's 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 fine. I I did like the bit at the end where he's coaching. He's back as the assistant coach of the 76ers. Spoiler alert. Um, and uh, Bo is playing for the the Boston Celtics, and yeah, but they have this nice little hug at, at the 
on the on the floor right before the game starts and then he goes back and he tells the guy how to <laughs> how to get out like the, the some of the tricks that Bo's gonna pull yeah. uh, which is funny uh yeah I I the connectiveness I wonder I mean he does have another goofy comedy of the sequel to murder mystery coming up but it, it just it feels like like this isn't something like out of left field, like something like a punch drug love uh, or um, something like rain over me, which was like sort of deeply traumatic and unsettling, you know, somebody dealing with losing their family post nine 11. And like, that's, Mm -hmm. that was like a, that was a hail Mary of a dramatic (laughs) performance there. Uh, That was like, again, that was capital a acting. Um, but I, it does feel like just taking this like typical middle brow kind of comedy drama uh, sports movie, something a hundred different actors could do and and do just as well. I I wonder if he's making a statement here. It's like saying I'm gonna I'm pivoting. I'm I'm trying some new stuff, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting. I mean, because again, he's he's sort of contracted to Netflix too. So he didn't have to do this. He could just keep cranking out the Hoobie Halloweens and stuff. But um, I, I do, I do, I am, I will be interested to see in like five years where Hustle sits in the Adam Sandler story. If this was like the beginning of a pivot, or if it was just another anomaly like Uncut Gems or the Merowitz stories or or Punch Drunk Love, it's mm-hmm. he's an he's he's an interesting actor to talk about like career wise and also like performance wise. Um, I'm like you, I like some of those goofy comedies. I like Mr. Deeds. I like Billy Madison. Uh, I like the Zohan. Um, But he is more than that. And I'm, you know, if this movie gets sort of is, is another sort of card he can present and say like, I'm, I'm not just like some goofy man child, (laughs) <laughs> terror terrorizing hollywood i i i'm interested in serious things and so like this is a statement it, i and, and i'll be interested to see like where this statement leads to next yeah and if he doesn't get nominated for an oscar he'll just <laughs> if he'll make three really bad movies or you know <laughs> again i i don't even think he's like he had this the strength to follow through on that threat if it was indeed a threat because he's like made he's made like two two kind of silly comedies since then and then he's gone right back to hustle so there's a hunger there's a hunger in adam sandler uh i don't know if hustler filled it but um it, it's certainly a good time um in front of the netflix box so yeah for sure all righty let's wrap up this week's show let's do it <laughs> great we, we have a quorum uh that is it for this week's show we hope you liked it and if you want to listen to it again you can find it on our website and creditsradioshow.com you can download it from the guelph politicast channel every friday at podbean or through your favorite podcast app at apple stitcher google TuneIn, and spotify when you're on the Spotify app, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on End Credits. Just open up Spotify and search for End Credits on CFRU. You can find us on social media as well. We're on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Tim, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on social media, different platforms, Flash in the Deadpan. 
And uh, yeah, let me know what you think of Adam Sandler. <laughs> and if Adam Sandler is listening, let yeah, he might be. You never know. Yeah, let let Tim know what you think of him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will be back here on CFRU Thursday at 5 p.m. producing politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition of End Credits, and we will see you then. <laughs>